Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of the Talking Feds podcast, a weekly roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Most news commentary is delivered in 90-second sound bites that just scratch the surface of a new development, not Talking Feds. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond. We dig deep, but keep it fun. Plus sidebars detailing important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities, such as Robert De Niro explaining whether the president can pardon himself, and Carol King explaining whether members of Congress can be disqualified from higher office, and music by Philip Glass. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts, and don't worry, as long as you need answers, the Feds will keep talking. Well, my guest uh, on, on the Michael Steele podcast is someone that I've known a long time. She's a Baltimore girl, so you know already she's she's going to bring it and keep it real. Um, she's an award-winning White House correspondent um, who's had a very unique advantage um, as the only Black female reporter covering urban issues from the White House. Um, it's none other than April Ryan. Um, she is uh, an incredible lady. Um, uh, she can be seen on CNN as a political analyst. She's also the Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief on uh, the GRIO. Uh, she's been featured in Essence, Vogue, Cosmopolitan, and Elle magazines. Um, and her impact in both journalism and politics um, is, is well-known, regarded, and has been profound. She's come out with a, a great new work that we're going to get into called uh, Black Women Will Save the World, in which she presents um, a kaleidoscope of experiences, trials, and tribulations, and how despite all of that, um, Black women continue to move forward, pers persevere, and make space for young women who are coming behind them uh, and giving credit to the generation uh, of women uh, who came before them. It is, it is an incredibly fun uh, and thoughtful conversation. And I'm looking forward to sharing it with you here on the Michael Steele podcast right after this. Black representation in the media is so critical. I, I can't imagine doing what I do today were it not for the towering figures like April Ryan, Eugene Robinson, and the late, great Gwen Ifill. And the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you're going to find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, folks, like I said, you you were in for a real treat um, in in this conversation. Thanks for joining us here at the Michael Steele Podcast, and it is such a special pleasure to welcome one of the preeminent Black women um, in uh, American politics and journalism, April Ryan. It is such a joy, such a treat to see you. <laughs> a joy and a treat. I love that. It's you survived Thanksgiving, baby girl. <laughs> My stomach's hurting, but <laughs> <laughs> yours and mine, yours oh. and mine. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot that you know. What I love about conversations with April, folks, is 
you don't just have to, you don't just do the generic kind of top level politics stuff. This sister gets way down deep inside the crevices. Um, and before we get into that, I do want to get into what I described to you um, before we came on um, as uh, a love story to Black women. It it really is how I, I read through uh, Black Women Will Save the World, uh, an anthem. It, this is your latest work. Um, you all remember... Uh, April from her earlier work, the presidency in black and white, um, which really struck a nerve around Washington. Um, and, and this one, I think, has struck an, a, a different kind of nerve, April, um, in that it really is an unabashed embrace of black womanhood, um, what it means in a 21st century setting, um, with historical links back, um, you know, through some of the, the the women that you talk about, tell tell us a little bit about where your heart was when it first occurred to you. I want to write this book. My heart was with my late mother, who never got a chance to see all of this. Wow, she passed fifteen years ago, and she was like ahead of her time. She was that woman. She was the tree hugger, recycler. Um, I want to make sure the world is better for my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Woman, you know, who happened to be black. She worked on a college campus, exposed her children to everything. And she never saw the first black president. She never saw the first black vice president or the woman of color who identifies as black as vice president nor does she see the Supreme Court justice, trust and believe she would have been out there supporting the appointments, the election, the rise. And in this moment, I thought of her, but I also thought about those other women who were just like her, who fought for this moment, never imagining this moment. All those other women who kept pouring into our community, pouring into their children, pouring into everyone but themselves. I wanted to pause, mark the moment to celebrate them. Because if it weren't for these black women who carried us all on their backs, be it to the polling booth, be it to the schoolhouse, be it to the church house, mm-hmm. be it to the workhouse, we would not be you, Michael, you and I would not be here today. True, true. Because you thought because because your story about your mama is amazing. Yeah. And you have a dynamic mama who Look at you and your sister. And it's all because of a black woman who believed in you, who believed in this country. It's not about your politics. It's not about your party. It's about your personhood. It's it's that's a I love the way you put that, because you actually you set that tone right at the beginning. And, and one of the first things I highlighted uh, in the book was this quote. After all, black women make the extraordinary ordinary. Yep. We drive change in a society that wasn't built for us in order to make it better for all of us. That's right. End quote. That to me, I mean, because a lot of people sit back and they go, well, you know, white mothers are no different than black mothers. Hispanic mothers are no different than that. And at a certain level, that's very true. They want the best for their grandkids and their kids as well. But when you put in 403 years of the shit we black women have been through. Remember, black women brought to this country stripped of their kids, stripped of their husbands, stripped of their families, and then oftentimes raising babies impregnated by white slave owners and and, and raising other people's babies and raising Wet other people's babies. <laughs> Wet nursing for the masses white. Let, and see, that's the part, Michael Steele, that people don't understand. You have hit the nail squarely on the head. You know, we marched in 1913, excuse me, we marched in 1913 during that woman's suffrage march. Right. Delta Sigma Theta sorority founders, AKAs were marching, but we were at the back of the line uh, marching for voting rights for women. 
because of our race. We were in the back of the line. We're not included in the program, but we marched because we wanted a better day. And we took it. We continue to take it. We stuff it down. We even digest it. But we continue in spite of. And let's talk about that slavery thing that Kanye West, like, I don't even want to name him, but <laughs> the slavery thing that he wants to deny. Let's talk about that because women, Black women have been strong since our inception in this nation. Mm -hmm. And you trotted off, you ticked off a couple of things. But let's start, let's start here because I've always said, why do we keep saying that April is strong? Well, my mother was a laid back woman, but she was strong and her mother was strong and her mother before her was strong. We keep saying that we come from a long line of strength. Why are we strong? Let's figure out why are we strong? You know why we're strong? It's because we had no choice but to be strong or you drink or you die. When we first got here, no, even before we got here, Michael, when we were over in West Africa mm -hmm. and the, the slave captors were, were getting us, let me tell you how they figured who we were. And you read this in the book. Mm -hmm. They figured who we were. When I say figured who we were, they figured out if we had had children or not by our breasts, by if they were perky, we were going to go take that journey, that long, arduous journey. Only strong survived. If our breasts sagged, oh, you, you're spoiled. You've had children, so we don't want you. They wanted strong, perky breasts because they felt that we could bear the free labor. We were going to be birthing mm. machines and workers as well. So let's start there. Then we get on the auction block. We're sold. And then once we're sold to whatever plantation, they allow us to mate or whatever. We are with men, but they take our men from us. We had men could not stand for their women or they'd be killed back then. Right. And then right. they were taken from us. Our men are covering as for those of you who are in, in religion, our covering was taken from us. We had to cover. We had to wear the pants and the skirt in our home by ourselves. So where do we get that strength from? It's from the initial inception of what this country and some in Africa did to us to make us strong. Yeah, no, it, it, it is it is rooted, uh, as they say, in the genes at this point. Um, right. It, it, it is something that is also passed on as part of legacy from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Ours is a matriarchal society because it was forced to be that. Yeah. Um, and the women uh, found a way uh, to cobble together family. Yeah. Um, even, even when that family was broken, separated. Yes. Uh, and, and made, made a way for the country as well as their offspring to flourish. I right. Mean, I think about your mom and my mom. My mom, mm -hmm. bless her, still still with us at 95. Your mom passed 15 years ago, but their legacies are tied together in that here their son, their daughter are are men and women of accomplishment um who've been able to um represent in a real way that legacy and to right. show the world we may we may we may bend we may be bowed but we are not broken and we won't break and we won't break understand that that is not an option to break you come from that 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 and it's, it's so crazy because we can look at each other and say, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we know the story, you right. know, and you don't have to know the intricacies. Mm -hmm, I know once mm -hmm. you come, I understand. I get it. And that's the thing that I'm trying to impress upon the world to celebrate this moment because of what it took to get here and, yeah. and sacrifices of our mothers and your wife and your sister and myself for the next generation right. to get and you break it down. So you 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 go through um a number of of conversations, um, starting with the part the superpower of sisterhood. Talk yeah. to us about that because that really kind of sets us off on this journey. Yeah. Um uh and then which in the following chapter is you talk about how not to be erased, walking that tightrope. Um, and our fight, our sacrifice, et cetera. But is that is that initial understanding and appreciation that as Black women, 
we have a superpower. Mm. Well, not we, you have a superpower. <laughs> what, what is that? How does it manifest itself? And, and, and how does it set in motion the next um, 200, 300 years of our progress? Mm. There's so many pieces of the formula for the superpower. Um, resilience is one. Understanding there's not an out as an option. You know, right. it's how we deal with this. Okay, this is this is where it is. Okay, let me deal with it and keep keep thriving and moving. And maybe not even thriving, but surviving and moving because the out is not an option. But then along the way, there's a thing called sisterhood that you talked about. That sisterhood is the connectivity to keep going. For many of us, we have that sisterhood. And unfortunately, some of us don't. But I'm going to give you two examples of sisterhood in the book. Um, Lori Lightfoot talks about it. Right. And then now she's got a new sister coming for her, um, Karen Bass. The yeah. mayor, black mayors, black women mayors in this city um, San Francisco, Chicago, it was Atlanta with Keisha Lance Bottoms, DC, now LA, and there are a couple others, but there were, these women would get together and help each other out because they've been, all of them pretty much have been in the news. When one would get in trouble, the other one would say, look, this is what I had the same thing. Let me talk you through it. This is the test that you're going through. I've got a testimony for you. You know, and they needed that. And now there's a new person coming in, Karen Bass, into that sisterhood. Another sisterhood, um, when we think about the Black Panther Party, and this really blew my mind and it blows so many people away when I tell them this. Um, the widow of Huey P. Newton, Frederica Newton, is a friend of mine. Frederica Newton uh, told me, she said, you know, 70% of the Black Panther Party were not the picture of what you thought it was, men. 70% consisted of a sisterhood of women. Mm -hmm. Black women who wanted uh, a better community. Um, they wanted to have food for their children in the morning before they went to school. Now the government is um, paying for these food programs around the country. They focused in on issues of sickle cell. They also uh, focused in on free clinics for health care. And look at what the government is doing, free clinics. Women are powerful when we come together we strike a blow to make people pay attention. And it's and everybody benefits from it, don't, don't they? Every, the everybody the benefits from it. <laughs> everybody. And that's the thing our friend Cornell Belcher said. Cornell Belcher, the head of Brilliant Corners, Democratic pollster, he said, when women go to serve, particularly in politics, it's about love for the community and uplift. When our male counterparts, Michael, um, do it, it's for uh, a lot of times power. It's either. power. No, it's just yeah. straight up. Men are, men are yeah. in the game for power. You know, and, and it's <laughs> you not. You said it, I didn't. Well, well, no, it's true. <laughs> because you know what? We're not, we're not, we're not concerned necessarily about the, the soft power right? That comes from raising a family and pushing, you know, um, some of the social agendas that, that, that keep community strong and vibrant, you know, education and, you know, which is why, which is why, which is why I, I would go out on a limb here and, and beat me back if I'm wrong, but I will go out on a limb and say a good, good example of the, of, how men and women approach the body politic oh. is that if women, if if women were in the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate, mm -hmm. the majority of state legislatures, mm -hmm. we would not necessarily be suffering through the ravages of gun violence. We wouldn't necessarily be suffering through uh, the ravages of food deserts, right. the ravages, the ravages of of undereducated children, right? Because that soft that soft power 
is the space that they've always operated in and tried to move men to say, okay, guys, you need to pay attention here and do this. And remember like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going right to we, we, say the nurturing, the uplift. Nur- the nurturing, yeah. Nurturing the sense of community because there's nothing soft about me. We are so That's true. That's a, that's I, fair. We that's are nurturers. And, 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 and I have to, we have to be really cognizant of how we characterize people. Because Michael, let me tell you something. Some woman, I had an interview in uh, with someone at the beginning of the book. She read the book, White Woman from Baltimore, from the Baltimore area. And she says, tell me, why are you angry? Why are you so angry about the adultification of children? And you know where I went. I'm like, I'm like, first of all, I'm not playing into that stereotype of being the angry black woman. I'm like, words matter. I'm like, she's like, why are you so angry? Well, ask her, why aren't you angry? That's what I'm talking Why about. Why aren't you angry? You should be angry about what's happening to those exactly. kids. But I'm going to be the angry black. Why are you so angry? She in, in her room. Why are you so angry? I was like, don't. Do oh, this. but then, but then they do. They do. Those same white women, suburban white women, get angry about CRT. They get angry about transgender children who probably are some members of their family, which won't even go there. So they they pick and choose their anger. And the things they yeah, want to be angry right, about. Right, right, right. So but, I, but black that's, women. That's, can we ahead. say then that but black women have not been afforded throughout history to pick and choose what to be angry about? We have not. We have been told. We have been given a deck of cards. You know, I think about what Bishop T.D. Jake says. You know, while other people are given shovels, we are given a spoon to dig out, and we do it so well. And when we do that, they're like, "Oh, the heap on more," because they know we can take it, whereas other communities can't. Right are viewed as strong. We are viewed as not, we, the, the world does not view us as the symbol of, of beauty. They don't view us as vulnerable. We are human beings and we are considered so strong that we don't hurt when, the, when we go to the doctor's office, which is crazy. And I'm sitting up here dealing with that situation right now. I'm like, why are you giving me this crazy stuff, making me sick or sick? I'm like, come on. We have to we have to advocate advocate not just for the community but for ourselves in right. every facet of life. And you tell me I'm not going to celebrate. Look, I'm singing this to the mountaintops. Black women will save the world, have saved the world, are doing it, and will do it. And they're trying. Let me tell you something. So many black women were showing up, texting me. Look, this is the line I'm in in Georgia. Like you say, they're in the in line to early vote. You know, what are we? Fifty-two uh, percent of the black population. We are the pretty much the voting block for the Democratic Party. You know. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. There and, is and, no Democratic Party without without black without women. Without black women, how about that? <laughs> there is none. <laughs> and, so, look, and, and, and the example is Alabama in 2017, right? Roy Moore versus Doug Jones, black in Selma in the black belt. These black women were like, look, we've already had racism. We've seen Bloody Sunday. We saw what happened over that racist named bridge, the Evan Pettis Bridge for Bloody Sunday. You're not doing it again. In a, in a town that still looks like it did in 1960s, during the time of the Bloody Sunday March, these people, the mindset, these black women said, uh-uh, they rose up. They rose up. So you so in 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 the superpower in in that chapter you you talk about uh, a number of black women you already referenced some of the mayors and certainly you you begin uh, with a quote uh, from the mayor of Chicago uh, Ms. Lightfoot um, that sort of sets again that that narrative. Um, what is it about this moment that we've seen? Um, the rather, I'd say, somewhat quiet ascendancy of Black female political activism, having moved outside of the shadow of the men. I remember um, one of the most profound conversations I ever had as Lieutenant Governor was when, um, God rest her, Dorothy Height came to my office to visit. And it's one one of the cherished photos that I have is sitting, and we actually, what was funny about that, was she wanted to meet me. Um, And so she reached out to my office for us to meet, sat down with her. We became, um, in the the short time that we spent together, um, pretty connected. And and so she she started sharing some stories and I'll never forget, and your reference to the Black Panthers made me think of this. She was like, yeah, 
She said, I always found it interesting that when people talked about the civil rights movement, they always talked about Reverend Abernathy and Dr. King and Jesse Jackson. They talk about all the men, but they never talk about the woman who was in the room who told the men how to do what they were about to do. Male dominated world. And, and so you have that, that's always been the narrative that has always been and profoundly more uh, problematic for black women, as you've already n noted, that they are, they are forced back into the shadows. If they're, if they do decide to come out and protest, they're at the end of the line. They're not part, they're not up front. They're not part of the, the mainstay yet. And still you have. And it was a black woman who told Martin Luther King publicly at the March on Washington, tell him about the dream because he wouldn't have talked about he it. He wasn't going to talk about it. If it wasn't about, if it wasn't for Mahalia Jackson, right? over and said, tell him about the dream, Mark, tell him about the dream. But she under, the women always seem to understand what the moment requires. Because the speech that he was giving was not connecting with, with the, the people. crowd. Right. Until she said, tell him about your dream. And she felt, we feel the rhythms of moments. We feel the rhythms of our home. We feel the rhythms of the community. We, it's something innately about innate in us that we are able to push forward a dynamic that, that's missing. And um, it's, just, it's just something there. I don't know if it's because of the fact that we've been through so much in spite of we feel the rhythms of things and know when it's time to march, when it's time to act, when it's time to speak, and when it's time to be quiet. Uh, so walk us through um, how that how that superpower plays out in a couple of areas uh, that you that you write about um, in the book, uh, starting with the the idea. Um, of, I mean, because you, you you sort of in that section talking about uh, the state of black women in political leadership, mm. um, and you know we you know we you start with Shirley Chisholm and you, you sort of work through that, but where 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 do we find ourselves and how does this narrative this superpower play into women not disappearing, and oh, as you talk yeah. about and and then then of course. Um, in the in in the in how and how to sort of walk that tightrope that that's always been there for them to walk. Yeah, there's such a tightrope because again, if we push too hard, we're the angry black woman. Um, but we also, when we're at the table, you have to remember there are people who discredit us just for the sake of being a black woman, even if we have the pedigree that outshines theirs or they take our idea and remold it into something else so that they can own it. But I'm going to I'm going to give you this example of the power of black women. Singularly, we are powerful in the rooms because people don't want to give us the credit and a lot of times I've heard it so much Michael from women, they take my ideas. I said, "You know why? Because you're dynamic." And if we shape them and I said, if you left, they would be lost. Mm -hmm. They understand your worth, but they don't want to give you the credit. You're not alone, okay? I'm going to give you a singular person. People think she's a loser. No, she's not. She is one of the winningest people. Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. She lost that governor's race twice. Why? And she didn't even want, she really didn't even want to be considered in that number for vice president for Joe Biden, she didn't want to be in consideration because her heart was set on being the governor of Georgia. Right. So she was, you know, some of us have dreams and destiny. She felt that's her destiny. But the first time she lost, it wasn't by that much. But this time she lost, she lost for what, 300,000 votes? Yeah, she lost a lot, yeah. Why did she lose a lot? Because they wanted, they sent a message to her. She was so powerful the first time. They wanted to do it resoundingly so that she would know that they didn't want her. But guess what? They did that because she's a winner. She won. The singular woman, Black woman, turned that red state blue. 
she did the unthinkable and the unimaginable. So they wanted to make sure that she didn't do it again. They fought so hard, poured so much money, dark money and regular money in, just to make sure she lost. She was that much of a threat. And the thing about that, though, which is interesting, and, and again, it speaks to the, the unspoken political power that Black women have, um, is her legacy won't be two failed runs for governorship. Mm -mm. Her legacy will be the fact that she got the U.S. Senate seat not once, but five times. The four mm -hmm. times that by the time Warnock is done, right? And that part, thank plus, you. Plus Ossoff. Yes. <laughs> so she brought a part. Jew and a Black man to the United yes. States Senate because of the work that she had done on the ground in the state right. of Georgia. And that part, that part. And I, you know what? I didn't even, I didn't even equate her, and I should have, with Warnock and Ossoff. And right now, even though, even and even though, and that's the that's another thing right now, even though she lost the governorship, the race is still tight. That governor's race was about her. The rest of it is trying, they're trying to come to grips in Georgia. Yeah. It's still, it was so close. Now the one of them got beyond 50%, they had to have this runoff. So it was tight. It wasn't about her this time. It was about her for the governorship. But this time, Georgia's trying to come to grips with itself. That's what this is between Warnock and and, and Herschel Walker. No, they're looking at they're looking at two divergent futures. Yes. Uh, and and the question for Red Georgia is: Do we want to align ourselves with Blue Georgia, right, for the for for a better Georgia? Or do we really want to do the tribal, my party over country storyline and go with someone who everyone knows is highly unqualified to be in the United States Senate, let alone an, an elected official? Uh, and I think that, that one of the stark aspects of this, um, of what Stacey did was she brought people into the process. She, in some sense, right. not to put too fine a point on it, is sort of the Harriet Tubman of voting. <laughs> um, right. She she yeah. created this 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 roadway, this pathway for voters to to sort of find this freedom uh, of uh, away from and, and above the 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 process, even though it was used against her in her first yeah. election in 18. Yeah. As you are making this very cerebral, I'm going to say that she made the unseen seen or at least feel like. Yeah. They were yeah. And that's where politics is personal. And that's what that was the 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 special sauce in her magic. Because so many people, particularly in Georgia, because Georgia is this, and we're just being real straight up honest. Georgia is Atlanta, and then there's Georgia. Right. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah, there's Atlanta and then there's Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, about right. And, and yes, just, and then, just like just like there's Philadelphia, then there's Pennsylvania. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, come on, we've seen. Uh, can you say Oz? That's all right. Anyway, because that because that that was not in Philadelphia. Praise Jesus. But anyway, Amen. Um, you know, go to church. Uh, what'd you say? <laughs> I said go to church. I know, but uh, <laughs> but. What we have to understand is, is that for this black woman to, to, to basically go, and she told them what she was doing. Yeah. They never believed it. And she did it methodically and quietly. She said, like, this is what I'm doing. And she did it. And then it was basically Georgia, the state's repudiation of what she did, why she lost the governorship. And those articles, not the articles, the, the advertisement was so, I've been to Georgia several times during this book tour before in the lead up to the, right. the midterm. It would, those commercials were awful. I felt my heart broke for all the black candidates because they were just attacked, knocking everyone's integrity. But for this black woman, I said, they made her look like she was an animal. Yeah. Well, that's, and, but that's, but that's always the MO. I mean, that's, that's how that's how we take down the black political figure. Exactly, is you you make them um, as I I learned from Marion Barry many 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 years ago. He said, when they come after you, Michael, they're going to come after you 
in one of several ways. Either they're going to come after you uh, that you are incompetent when it comes to money. They're going to come after you that you can't control your libido and you're sexual. Oh. You're, you're just hyper sexually active. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to come at you um, that says that, you know, basically you're incompetent. You're not capable of the job. It's above you, et cetera. And, and it is true. It, it, it's, it, you look, go back and look at when you look at, you know, how they came after someone like Ron Brown, how they came after Jesse, oh. how they came after, um, uh, Mayor Washington, um, how they come after black women. And it goes back to the question I was raising again about this, the slow, silent progression of black women now mm. moving into the political space the way they have. It is interesting how at once they hailed uh, Mayor Lightfoot and then immediately turned on her. Yeah. Immediately yeah, turned on. It's like it's like life. for some reason they thought that by bringing in a black woman as mayor that killings in Chicago would just miraculously stop because after all she controls that. <laughs> it's like it's like well you're black why why can't you tell black black boys to stop shooting each other and I'm like what I mean and it's like what you said people coming at you in a way that says, well, you know, why aren't you angry? Why, why are you so angry? Why are you, well, why do, why do I have to be angry? Why can't I just be concerned like you, white person? Exactly. Um, and so it's why all- do they always look at black men and women through the prism of... They want us to feel guilty because there is a problem that they are overlooking. They want us to feel guilty for the problem that they haven't solved. It's like Donald Trump when he talked about Baltimore. Yes. In in Elijah Cummings. You are the president of the United States. You have the capability to see and fix the issue or work with the city, but yet you're going to ing it, rats and all that. Right. You know, that's what this is. Which is why Sharpton and I went up and said, no, that's just not, we're not having it. We're just not, you're not going to do that to the people of the city. You're just not going to do that. Exactly. Baltimore, let me tell you something. There is no other city. Well, there are other cities. Philadelphia, Baltimore, Philly are mirror images. And Detroit used to be like this. You can't walk away from cities that have, that have been part of this nation's history. Can you say Fort McHenry? If you don't know about it, Google it, please. Right. And one and 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 there's a song that you sing uh, about the patriotism of this country that comes straight from Fort McHenry. That's right. Can you say Francis Scott Key. But I want you all to Google that. So anyway, but what I'm saying is, is that there's no other place in the nation like Baltimore that has the word failure built into the very existence of its people, according to Pastor Bishop Walter Scott Thomas. And for you to be president, you have the pen that can write life and death and the tongue that can speak life and death and you to mock a city. That doesn't say much about you. And I'm I'm, I'm, going to talk about Los Angeles, another city that's in need right now. Karen Best, that woman is priceless. That man... Put a, that black woman is priceless. He put $100 million plus into a campaign to defeat this one black woman. Superpower. Too strong. <laughs> that's, that's my I problem. can't believe this brother spent $100 million of his own I money to do that. <laughs> that's how much the owner of my company, Byron Allen, bought a house with. New house. Whatever, but that's a whole other story. But um, <laughs> I, I told Byron the other day, I said, I want to come and stay at your $100 million vacation home. And he... <laughs> He never said yes. <laughs> right, right. But he didn't say no. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, but he didn't say no. He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. But I'm trying, I'm trying to, I want to see what $100 million looks like. But for this man to pour that kind of money into this, to, to fight against this Black woman and he lost, she's priceless. That just goes once again to the beauty, the strength, the resilience, the superpower. Black women. We're having a great conversation with my friend April Ryan, uh, and we we've been spending time talking about her latest great work, "Black Women Will Save the World," an anthem. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up uh, with a little. We're going to 
wrap up a little politics. We'll tie it all into what we see playing out right now across oh. our great land. <laughs> we, we touched on a little bit of Georgia, but there's a whole hell of a lot more mess going on. We'll have more but with Kanye. April. We talked about one of them, Kanye. Right, Kanye Yee. Uh, we'll have that <laughs> conversation with April Ryan right after this. Retaliation with Julie Reginsky is a weekly podcast focused on the stories of women who have spoken truth to power and have persevered despite the costs. It shares the experiences of courageous people who have sometimes been celebrated, but too often castigated for standing up for themselves and for others. Each week, I examine the structures, systems, and culprits responsible for perpetuating and promoting workplace toxicity. You'll hear stories from female celebrities, music label executives, politicians, police officers, and many others as we examine the cultural reevaluations, policy changes, and legal steps that can finally bring an end to the ongoing attack on women in this country and around the world. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Salvation Army Thrift Store. We're not for profit. We're for appreciating the classics, for ever-growing amateur collections, for finding the sounds that speak to your soul. We're for making a difference right here in your community. At the Salvation Army Thrift Store, we're not for profit. We're for good. Shop today at the Salvation Army Thrift Store near you. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, Choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to the Michael Steele podcast. Uh, It is such a treat, and I hope you've been enjoying our conversation with uh, the incomparable April Ryan uh, in her latest book, uh, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem. And we were talking about uh, how, in so many ways, um, you emphasize the price that Black women uh, pay for being uh, first in a space, for being the smartest, Mm-hmm. Um, or most accomplished in the room for excelling at just being uh, themselves and um, particularly in spaces that were not explicitly built for them and, and right. how that how that has translated uh, over time. When you're looking at the number, and we, we ended the, before going to break, talking about uh, Mayor-elect Karen Bass, who I, I have a lot of high hopes for, but also recognize She's going. She's inheriting a system that has been largely built beyond her mm-hmm. um, her control. Now she's got to come in, like like Mayor Lightfoot had to do in Chicago, um, Mayor Bowser had to do here in Washington. We saw the trouble that the mayor here in Washington had to deal with when the white man tried to create an insurrection and wanted to blame her <laughs> for, for the lack of response to his shit. But that's a whole nother conversation. Because you hit it know, right, his shit. His shit. You hit yeah, it right. because, because <laughs> she ain't nothing to do it. She actually did try to clean it up, but she's like, y'all got to call me in first. But no one was calling. He wasn't, Trump wasn't calling her, but he wanted to blame he was, her. He was ill-prepared for this job. He- so, right. So you have you have these, these examples out here, April. Um, how you know what what is that voice what is that that resonating uh sound that black women make as a clarion call uh for a country um for the country going forward will we see more black women emerging in this space what does that look like what does that feel like and how do you think the country responds because i look at the response to kamala harris um mm. and and 
Um, it reminds me of a conversation I had with the vice president in 2018. Um, and, and, and I, I kind of wonder about what that would be like in, in, in having known firsthand the setup. Everybody mm -hmm. wants you to do the job. And when you do the job, then they want to take you out of the job. Thank you, um, Okay, I hear you with, with Kamala Harris, but look to Katanji Brown-Jackson. She's made such news. And we yeah, but that's different. That's 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 an appointed yeah, position. She's on the not. bench, and she but but she's not. I'm 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 with all respect. I think folks would see Kamala as much more as a threat than Katanji Brown. Katanji, let me say this to you. Right now, there's a rollback. Right, there's a right. potential rollback on affirmative action. For some parts of this nation, she's a threat because of her voice. Her opinions and her decisions may not move the needle for that six to three court today, but let's talk about next uh, next 50 years or so or next 10 years from now or so. People are going to look at what she said and it could help change or keep a law or, or a perspective in place, something. She is going to move mountains, if not today, in the future. And she could she could be like Clarence Thomas sitting there not saying anything, but right. she's making her point known for historical perspectives on issues that pertain to the underserved in this nation. That is a threat to the conservative party that the Trumpism group who wants to keep America white male, okay, who wants to keep America a place where they think it's great or where it should be great, where we are not in leadership in any space, place, or form. Do you understand? I, I so, do. I get that. And, and I appreciate that point. I just think, uh, and, and that's a long ball play, and I'm a long ball player, and I and I definitely understand. Yeah, it's the, it's the long, she's doing the she's long She's the long term, game. but there's she's a the hell of a lot of road. Short term and long term. Kyle is short term and long term. So we have to look. Yeah, but, there, but that's my point, April. There's a hell of a lot of road, road politically yeah. for someone like Vice President Harris to travel. Um, and and the question becomes very much like Stacey Abrams. How, how do you think America comes to terms with this emerging presence of the strong black woman in, in American politics? Um, how does that play out in American business? Um, I mean, we, we're quick to quote black men who are in the billionaire club, um, but we don't but talk about Oprah Kathy Hughes. Too. You got Oprah in the billionaire I, club. I was saying, but we don't talk about Kathy Hughes and Oprah the same way, right? right. Um, and, and so my question, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I'd love to, oh, we should, you know, run Oprah for president, make her vice president. I'm like, yeah. And there yeah, was that real conversation about it. There was real conversation, but you know, that wasn't, it wasn't real. It, it wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Because... It wasn't going to happen. But, and they're talking about Michelle. People are looking. And Michelle Obama, right. Yeah, people, there is a segment of society that understands Black women are going to see it for what it is. And we have got that keen skill of being able to see it for what it is and move and move beyond it, to move the ball forward, get the obstacle out of the way and just go. We see clearly. But the problem is, is that it's still a male-dominated town. It's still a male-dominated society. And let's really put more on it. It's a white male-dominated town and society. Right. And until women are allowed to get into those spaces to bring others in, it's still going to be a fight. The fight's happening. You've got not just... Uh, uh, Kamala Harris and and, and uh, Kataji Brown Jackson. You got Karine Jean Pierre, Shalonda Young. You've got um, Keisha Lance Bottoms in the White House. You've got uh, Susan Rice. And this is just the White House. This is in Washington. You've got Black women mayors. You've got Black women city council people. You had 500, over 500 Black women running for office in 44 states in this last election. You have Black women who are now speaking and taking ownership of the space. You know, Shirley Chisholm talked about this perpetual folding chair that we kept on our back. She said, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. We, we are, we're going to always keep that perpetual folding chair for right. others. 
like we do. But we are now building the table, building the chairs that are firm and permanent and planted and convening the conversation. So it's got to keep moving, evolving. And that's one of the reason my, reasons, Michael, why I wrote this book, because we have to keep this moment going. If we don't mark the moment, we lose the ground. And I, I'm writing the book as I show up as a Black woman in a society that was not uh, thinking of an April Ryan in that White House briefing room or society right. thinking about you as the former head of the RNC, the Republican National Committee. So here's the deal. As they weren't thinking about us, we are here. We're making space for ourselves and others who look like us to come to these tables. We may not agree, but we are making space for others because if we are at, if we are out of the room, if we're absent from the conversation or absent from the table, we have no space in this society. We have no, they don't make space for us or room for us. We have to continue to make room for ourselves to push forward the conversation and the, and the dialogue on issues that pertain to us. You know, we just heard Houston's got a water issue today. Oh my God, we're up in arms, Houston. But we're still dealing with Jackson, but my God, we're still dealing with Flint. Right. Black women are screaming this, you know? Our children are still being shot on the street. Black women are not only screaming about this, they're going to the funerals, going to the city council and talking about all of this, you know? But we're also just trying to make it work in the midst of supply chain and COVID and recessionary times almost, that the president says that we're not in. But, you know, I mean, Black women, when they were trying to fix meals for Thanksgiving, they were finding that there were no uh, whipping cream bottles on the shelves. You know, as the family wants, we are running households, we're rising number as head of household, we're rising in number as the breadwinner. And if we leave in the house and, and things are not always on the shelves, we are complaining. We're the first one screaming at the city council meeting or in the schoolhouse or in the church house, things are not right. I'm giving us our flowers now because we have made change in so many instances and still doing it and will do it because it's an ape to our built in our, our being. Right. So in sustaining this superpower and acknowledging um the 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 sorrows, if you will, who've who who've gone before and who are continuing to walk, you talk about the next steps, you talk about the future, and you close out the book by noting. Um, it's time to get to work. So here's what you can do to help. Acknowledge Black women because yes. erasure, erasure is real and dangerous. Uh, yes. Stop discounting Black pain and suffering. It's killing yes. us. Uh, our, own your bias and work on it uh, because none of us are perfect. And that's so, a big one. Own it. It's hard. Support sisterhood, respect mm -hmm. spaces for sisterhood, invest in it. Yeah. Um, and embrace new models of leadership, respect our children and their childhoods, invest in our political strength. Uh, and then finally, let's speak for ourselves. That's that's your capstone for um, the next generation of Black women who are going to be following the April Ryans and the Michelle Obamas um, in, in uh, moving the country uh, closer to its ideal yeah. Than than its uh, current status. <laughs> Moving closer to its ideal, not the founding fathers' ideal, but the ideal of a better unifying community or country. Right. And you know, sometimes in that list that you just read off that I put in this book towards the end. Read the whole book, please, and then, and then make sure you chart that off. But sometimes it's hard to face ourselves, um, looking in the mirror at who we are and who we have been. Are we really um, taking into consideration the other person? And when it comes to Black women, we are often pushed back, held down, erased. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because others have not stood up to say this isn't right. It's time to stand up and it's time to work for a better day versus how it's been going. Because we are now a nation that is getting ready to see a shift, a flip in the majority population in this nation. And you would rather be on the side of people who want to help and uplift and do better than not be on the side of those people. 
and I'm speaking of black women, black women have taken in everyone and loved up everyone. But question is, has America done the same to her? No. She's an award-winning White House uh, correspondent. She <laughs> is um, uh, an incredible backbone for a lot of women in journalism who white and black, Hispanic and Asian, who I know, admire and respect uh, her work. She is April Ryan, the author of the new book, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem. It has been uh, a particular treat for me as a friend, longtime friend, um, uh, who has been been on the back end of that text from April. Okay, so tell me what you know. <laughs> tell, just tell me what you know. Uh, you but, you've got some good stuff to tell too. Oh yeah, uh, always. But, but April, you 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 have again uh, held up a light, um, not just for women, but for all of us to take a look at and see um, and recognize the strength of those around us in our families, in our communities who have been a quiet force for change, a quiet force of leadership, uh, who are now, as we would like to say, no longer quiet, but emerging um, in a way that you've got to pay attention. And this book, as I said, is sort of a love story to them. It's an anthem, but it's a, it's a love story too, because you, the care and concern you have for the stories you tell and the examples uh, you share with us uh, comes through very strongly. So congratulations on the Thank book. You. Thank you for taking time to share it with uh, my crew here at the Michael Steele podcast. We appreciate anytime, it. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, this book is in its second printing and I'm just so pleased with it. And I just want black women to finally step up and say, you know, I've done the damn thing. <laughs> but then not only that, to take time to celebrate themselves, because that's one thing we don't do. And yeah. we don't have time for ourselves. It's been given to everyone but ourselves. It's okay. We can do it. And we can do it. And you did it. And you've done yeah. it well and continue yeah. to do so. Uh, that does it for this time together, folks. We want to thank our friend and guest, April Ryan, for taking a moment to be with us. Uh, don't forget to uh, to show the love to April on um, Twitter at April Ryan. Correct, if I'm not mistaken, is that? I your... think it's at it's either April Ryan or April D Ryan. It's one of those things. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's for as long as I'm it's for as long as they allow me to be on Twitter. Right, as long as we're allowed to tweet. Oh my goodness, that's a whole other conference. We need to come back for that. No, it's April D Ryan at April, at April D Ryan. D. Ryan at and I April still have, I still have a blue check right now, so I don't yes, know. Yes, I have one too, but I ain't paying to keep it. So I'm not either. I'm not paying off that man's debt. Ain't nobody telling him to go out and spend forty four billion dollars he didn't have to spend. I didn't buy his car. I'm not buying his Twitter. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I refuse to play. I'm sorry. I'm not joining you in your reindeer game. Not happening. Oh, no. So, folks, don't forget to check us out on, uh, on Twitter at Michael Steele for as long as we're there. Uh, yes. And certainly uh, the podcast uh, at, uh, at uh, Steele underscore podcast. Um, do the download thing. You know you love it when you do because you make me feel all yummy inside. And... Um, uh, share the likes and the love and, and spread the word. I think we've got a great a great thing going on here, particularly when we have wonderful guests like April Ryan. Until next time, y'all be safe, be well, get ready for the holidays. We're counting down to Christmas, baby. Counting down. <laughs> Take care. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, Choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off. Whether they're serving up loaded nachos or shaking up crown and gingers, Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. 
Please drink responsibly. Shaq here, spinning fast-acting pain relief for 2024 with Icy Hot. Take it from me. Sticking to your new workout routines can lead to sore muscles. Icy Hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then, the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast. Heat makes it last. Icy Hot. All right, America, you asked for it. Or maybe you didn't. But either way, we have to talk. You're just in kind of a crazy place right now, Mr. and Mrs. USA. So we're going to sit down a couple of times a week and work it out between us. The way Americans do. On a podcast. Hosted by Beowulf Rockland. Weird name. Weird news. Weird politics. Weird country. Facepalm America. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Business. It's all the things that keep this world turning. And behind every one of these companies is a partner helping to keep it all moving. It's why the local flower shop and your favorite pizza joint, the startup and the stadium, hospitals and hotels, banks and restaurants nationwide all choose the advanced network, cybersecurity solutions, and round-the-clock trusted partnership from Comcast Business, the company that powers more businesses than anyone else. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Call or visit ComcastBusiness.com to learn more. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.